Yeah, I just pray that as we share this morning, it's lovely to see a full hall. It's lovely for the kids to join us. But I pray that as you share this morning, Easter is going to be very different for each and every one of us. Something different about this Easter for me, I'm not too sure why. I've grown up in a Christian home all my life. However, this Easter, something has just got to me. Something's just gripped me with Easter. I wasn't here last night setting up and seeing all these posters around you. My goodness, they just bounce out to us. I encourage us to go read in the Gospels of this whole process, of this whole Easter period. It's written in all the Gospels. This morning I'm going to be sharing in the Gospel of Mark. So if you want to join me there, we can get to Mark 11. Not all the scriptures are going to be up on the board. And I want to discuss this morning about Passion Week. Passion Week. Another word is Great Week or Holy Week. But I want to talk about Passion Week. I like the word passion. Before we go off track, the passion meaning in Latin is suffering or enduring. So let's keep that definition of passion in mind as we share this morning. So I want to take us through that week, Sunday to Sunday, and we're going to stop on today, which is Friday. Sunday just passed. That's where we're starting. What was that Sunday? Anybody know? 100%. Palm Sunday. Okay, excellent. So let's read about that quickly. Mark 11, 1 to 10. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it and will send it back shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus, they threw their cloaks over it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches that had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming king of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. See how we had Jesus, his disciples had taken off their cloaks, put it on the donkey, and Jesus humbly came in. On this cult, people cheering, praising. They thought this is going to be his king. They were excited. They took off their cloaks. They put it on the floor. They cut palm trees, waving palm trees. Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed be the one who comes in the name of the Lord. How crazy is it that these same people praising Jesus would condemn and murder him five days later? Yet Jesus still loved them. Yet Jesus still looked at them. Yet Jesus still loved them. wonder how we would react to this was the beginning of the path to the cross on this Sunday, which leads us now into day two. After Jesus and his disciples spent the night in Bethany, they were returning to Jerusalem that morning, and Jesus curses a fig tree. The disciples hear Jesus say, you will never bear fruit again. Why is this story so significant? You see, Jesus loved talking in parables. He loved speaking in parables to get his message across. And this was just another parable that was highlighted for the next story of the clearing out of the temple. You see, you may look healthy on the outside, but are you bearing any fruit? That was a healthy fig tree, but was the fig tree actually bearing any fruit? The religious leaders looked good. They were all masked up, pretty, looking good, but were they really bearing the fruit of God? Mark eleven seventeen says, When Jesus arrived at the temple, 
He found the courts full of corrupt money changers. He began overturning the tables and clearing the temple, saying, The scripture declares, My temple will be a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. I said it's reported in the other gospels. In John 2, 15 to 16, maybe on the board, it says it like this. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. Can you imagine the tension here with Jesus building up, going into his father's house, seeing what's happening? This is only the second day and this tension and frustration that Jesus is trying to get across. You see, in those times, you had to trade in temple currency, which means you had to take your money and exchange it for temple currency to trade during the Passover. Now, the money changers realized this, and they inflated their prices way up. So you had to go and exchange your money, but they became very wealthy and greedy. The chief priests and teachers of the law at this stage heard all these things about Jesus, and they were like, we've got to take this guy out. We've got to kill this guy. They started talking amongst themselves how they could kill Jesus. Leads us into day three. I'm just going to be summarizing these days, but I really encourage you to just go and get into these Gospels and read about it. So sorry that I have to go through them so quickly. Day three, which is Holy Tuesday, Jesus carried on teaching parables, carried on ministering. Crowds started um, appreciating him more, started really opening their eyes and ears. I want to hear what more this Jesus has to say. And the chief um, priests and teachers of the law really didn't like this. And they got together and they thought, we've got to get Jesus arrested. We've got to make a way to get him arrested. During this day, Jesus was still confirming to his disciples that he was going to die and he was going to raise again. The disciples still didn't get this. They've been with Jesus for so long. They still didn't get this, that this is really going to happen. Can you imagine the frustration in Jesus? You know, his relationship with the disciples was going to change forever. He knew that, but the disciples didn't. Just try to put yourself in Jesus' situation. That was day three. The disciples still didn't get us. We come on to day four, which is Holy Wednesday or Spa Wednesday. Does anyone know about Spa Wednesday? Feel these posters give it away? Spa Wednesday is when Judas betrayed Jesus on Spa Wednesday. We're going to read about it just now in verse 10 when we get to the scripture. So let's go. Mark 14, 3 to 11. While he, Jesus, was in Bethany reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with a jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nod. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you and you can help them at any time you want. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And here in verse 10, Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. How would you behave towards Judas? Jesus knowing that Judas has betrayed him, 
found something out that Judas walked with Jesus for three years. How many of us have got a best friend who's betrayed us? How many of us have had a relationship with someone that betrayed us? How would you react towards them? Yet Jesus still let Judas carry on with him. We'll see later, Mishra read a beautiful scripture now. Jesus washed his feet after he betrayed him. It's crazy. Can you imagine how Jesus was feeling during this time? His day of his death was coming closer. I don't think we could ever comprehend. Spa Wednesday was day four. Brings us to day five. It's called Moundy Thursday. This is the Passover and the Last Supper. Mark 14 and from verse 12, it says, On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, Where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? You know what I find amazing here is, even going back to Palm Sunday, Jesus speaks into the future. He says to his disciples, go and find a cult that's never been ridden. If someone asks you, just tell them the Lord needs it and you'll bring it back later. Jesus speaks into the future and things just happen. I mean, look in verse 13 here. It says, he sent two of his disciples telling them, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. What's the chances? Follow him. Say to the owner of the house he enters, the teacher asks, where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. The disciples left, went into the city, and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. This is crazy, hey? Just as Jesus has told them. So yeah, Jesus and his disciples go to experience the Last Supper as we know it. While they were dining together, Jesus takes the bread, he breaks the bread and he explains to the disciples, this is my broken body that I'm, I'm going to illustrate and uh, uh, introduce you to. And he also introduces communion in this um, last supper. He also explains that with, his, with the blood confirms a covenant between God and people. So that's just a bit of info where we get communion from. And I pray that we'd really get to grips the the significance of communion. Let's not just partake with grape juice and a wafer. Thank you, Lord Jesus, and kind of do it. Yeah, at Freedom, we have communion available every Sunday um, for you and your family and your spouse and friends to partake in, and I encourage you, partake in that and remember the significance. I think we'll be partaking on Sunday communion together, if I'm not mistaken, and I really pray that as you just partake in communion, something will grip your heart, and it won't just be what Clint has done so many times. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let it be something meaningful. Let's remember. Let's remember this last supper, how Jesus brought it across. After the upper room, they all left and they started walking to the Mount of Olives. This is where Jesus says to Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the cock crows. We all know that story. Go and read it in more depth. It's crazy. Jesus, no way. It's not me. Jesus says, you will deny me three times. They arrived at the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus wanted to just go and pray. Can you try and imagine now? This is basically coming to the cracks there in the garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus just wants to go and pray to his father. And he says to his disciples, please just take watch. Please just make sure everything's okay while I go and pray. And he prays, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will be done, not mine. I wonder how Jesus really prayed that. I don't think I'd be able to um, get it right. I get emotional reading it. 
Abba, Father, please take this away from me. Do I have to go through this? Do I have to do this? Yet I want your will be done, not mine. He comes back, his chums are sleeping. His disciples are sleeping. They couldn't even say watch. They didn't get what was actually going on here. It says his sweat became drops of blood. It says it in the scripture. His sweats became drop of blood. Is this even humanly possible? You know me, let's listen to our friend Google. It always helps me out. Hermatohydrosis is a very rare condition in which a person sweats blood. It is a condition in which the blood vessels that feed the sweat glands rupture, causing them to release blood. It can occur in someone under conditions of extreme physical or emotional stress. The most common cause is fear and when you are thinking very intensely and deeply about them, something. It is rare, but it's definitely medically possible. There's a case of a 12-year-old girl that's actually been reported of that. But Jesus' sweat became drops of blood that night in the garden of Gethsemane. Let's get back to day five. So yeah, he's praying, Lord, please. Later that night, it's around midnight, Jesus was betrayed by a kiss from Judas. This is where Judas said to the soldiers, the man that I kiss is your man to arrest. Judas came in, kissed Jesus on his head, and the soldiers arrested Jesus. This brings us to day six. It's in Mark 15. I really encourage you to go and read in Mark 15. This is the hardest day of the week. It's where we are today, Good Friday, and um, Jesus was handed over to the Roman soldiers by Pilate for crucifixion. I think it's from here we'll never really understand the torture, the mockery, the pain that Jesus went through. As much as I can try to describe it here, I don't think I'm going to get it right. A lot of us have seen Passion of the Christ. I've heard people say I had to walk out of there. It was too dramatic. It was too far-fetched. My opinion, I don't think so. These soldiers were, these soldiers were cruel for, man. They were cruel for. It says in the scripture that the soldiers mocked him. They put a crown of thorns on his head. Not like that. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They blindfolded him and punched him. I read this. It came alive to me because, oh, okay, yeah, shame. Jesus took a few blows. Just picture yourself being blindfolded. You don't know where the punches are coming from. They spat on him. They hit on his head. I don't think we could ever imagine what he went through. The scripture says that Jesus was so overcome by this he went and hanged himself. Jesus had to then carry his cross to Golgotha. Yeah, okay. It's not a light cross, guys. It's a heavy, rugged cross that he had to carry to Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. This is where he was mocked and tortured further. The Roman soldiers nailed him to the cross. They weren't these pretty sharp nails. They were blunt nails. The Roman soldiers had to hit this through their bone and sinew to nail him to the cross. Mark 15, 33 to 37 says, at noon darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lima sabachthani, which means my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elisha. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine and vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elisha comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. It was today. 
Jesus breathed his life. Why did he do this for you? Why? If you were the only one on earth, he would have done this for you. See, there's no way you and I could ever make it to heaven if it wasn't for the cross. There's no way we could be near perfect and do anything possible to make it to the cross. We're all sinners. We've inherited sin from Adam and Eve. We all carry sin. Yet by Jesus' crucifixion, he made us pure and he made our sins white and forgave us our sins. I want to do an illustration here this morning with this white t-shirt. There's not a blemish on it. There's not a mark on it. And I want to ask us here this morning, what is sin? What is sin? Yes, there's murder. Yes, there's adultery. What is sin? Let's name a few more sins here. The easy ones, lying, cheating, gossip, stealing, betrayal, unforgiveness. Anything else? <laughs> Should I put that on? <laughs> Dishonesty? Betrayal? Hypocrisy? Sin is sin. I said an easy one, lying. Sin is sin. In Jesus' eyes, sin is sin. No matter how big the sin, this is how we would look if it wasn't for Jesus. Nothing we can do can remove these stains. You can go wash this shirt over and over and over again. It's not going to come clean. Nothing we can do can remove these stains. Sin separates us. From God. Yet if we choose to accept Him, our sins will be washed away and made as white as snow. Beautiful verse in Isaiah is on the board. Come, let's consider your options, says the Lord. Though your sins have stained you like the color red, you can become white like snow. Though they are so easy to see as the color scarlet, you can become white. What did Jesus do with the cross? What did Jesus do with the cross? You see, Jesus died and took all that sin that we cannot clean onto the cross. Jesus took our sins and did that. Jesus paved the way for you and I to live eternally in heaven. But there's a catch. You've got to have Jesus in your life. You've got to make Jesus your personal savior. Otherwise, you're going to be washing and washing and washing. And you'll never, ever get clean. May we realize today the significance of Easter. I pray that today this Easter changes. Do we want just eat Easter eggs? Do we want just have those hot cross buns? Don't let Easter go by without graspingness. I pray this Passion Week will challenge you this year. It will change your year. It will change your life. Let's celebrate Easter because of what? Jesus has done for you. Amen.